Well, this morning I want to start on a series that I'm going to be teaching over the next couple of weeks. Um, and it's really about hearing the voice of God. And I'm going to share with you uh, really where this comes out of. But, uh, you know, I believe that God has a particular life for us to live. I believe He's already got it in mind uh, as to the way he, that He would desire uh, really for us to experience life. And, uh, you know, and there's lots of uh, avenues or ways that you can approach this. But I want to show you a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to show it to you in context and really tie it in because, uh, you know, I believe that hearing from God is probably hearing me one of the absolute most important things for us as believers. I don't mean just like hearing me preach. I mean like you hearing God specifically for your life. And specific circumstances and specific situations. You know, many times we can read scripture and it's in broad strokes. Everybody understand what I mean by that? In other words, it applies to everybody. But then there are specific things to your life, to your journey, to your walk with God, to what you experience in this life. You know, I mean, I had a very specific word from God that I knew I was called to preach. We're not all called to preach. But specifically, I am. And so that would be an area where it was very important for me to hear from God concerning my life. But yet for you, it may be, God may call you to do something completely and totally different. And yet it's just as important that you hear from God as I do. It's no different. And so, you know, and there's aspects of that I can hear God in, in context of our church and in the vision of our church and where God is leading us as a church. But, you know, I still have a personal life, too. Amen. How many of you realize that? Amen. Like, I still have a life that I live outside of this place that I still just as much and maybe more importantly need to hear God in. Because if I'm not hearing God in my personal life, that's going to affect how I lead this church. Well, the same is true for you. It's no different. And so it is vitally, vitally, vitally important. If you have any hope, any hope at all of living the life that God has for you, you've got to learn to hear his voice. And so I want to share some things with you over the next, this morning, but also over the next couple of weeks about this. Because whether you realize it or not, God expects for us to hear him. To listen to him. To re- Why? So because that's how he, de- he desires relationship and connection with us. And so here in John chapter 10, we're going to read uh, a portion of scripture here. It's a familiar, well, I should say the last part of this is a familiar passage of scripture. But many times we take it out of context. And so we just quote the verse and we just move on. But when you read it in context, it gives us a very clear picture. So starting here in verse 1, he says, uh, this is Jesus teaching. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Does anybody know what that means? I mean, it's not real super clear. Jesus will give us some explanation here in a moment. But he says in verse 2, he says, But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. Now this is Jesus is talking about himself. But he says that the, the, the shepherd, which is Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. He says he calls his own by name and he leads them out. And he says after he has gathered his own flock. So not everybody belongs to Jesus. But he does have a flock. He says after he gathers his flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice says they won't follow the voice of or they won't follow a stranger. He says they will run from him because they do not know his voice. So we see some things here even in these verses is that Jesus is, is giving us the example in, in, in which we don't really understand because I mean, as far as I know, does anybody in here have sheep? I don't. Well, we don't really understand the context, but if you actually look into sheep herders or into Jewish culture, it was very common that what shepherds would come together and their flocks would just intermingle. You couldn't tell. I mean, it's not like today we would brand our animals. You know, like this one belongs to me. I'm going to put a a mark on them that signifies their mind. Well, they didn't do that. But what they did was the animals knew the voice of their shepherd. And so shepherds could come together. They'd have this massive flock. And when the shepherds begin to walk away, they would begin to talk and their sheep would follow them. 
every time. Now, you know, I saw this in a way growing up with my grandfather. He raised cattle some. That was like his hobby in retirement. And, uh, but he would go to feed the cow. And he would go out. And as soon as we would drive up, be driving in the field, the pasture. And he would start yelling, woo cow, woo cow. And those cows would come running. Why? Because they knew the shepherd was there. It was time to eat. Here's the crazy thing. My granddad also had a pond. And when he would feed the cows, he would also feed the catfish that he had stocked the pond with. And when he would begin to yell, woo cow, the catfish would come to a circle that he had that he would throw the feet in and they would start hitting the water before the food ever hit the water. Now, that's pretty neat. Because he would tell me as a young kid, he'd be like, hey, go run down there by the little circle and just be quiet. Don't make a bunch of noise. Because if you made a bunch of noise, they wouldn't do it. But I got to see it over and over and over again. Well, this is what Jesus is talking about. What They knew they were familiar with his voice. It wasn't foreign to them. He knew, they knew the voice of the shepherd. And what happens here, he says in verse 5, If you know the voice of the shepherd, you won't follow a stranger because you don't know his voice. And so we need to understand is that if we don't recognize the voice of God, what happens? We're going to start following the wrong voices. We're going to start following things that we have no business following. We're going to begin to pursue things that God is not in because we don't hear him saying, Stop. Don't go that way. Don't, don't press into that relationship. Don't, you know, whatever it may be. And I can't tell you, and, and unfortunately, I've had to learn the hard way that that was God. And I, shouldn't have, I should have listened to it, but because I didn't, there were consequences. And it's not God's fault. It's my fault. He tried to tell me. Amen. Don't buy this. Don't go there. Don't pursue this. Let this go. And in time, I, you know, I, I'm not... The smartest guy, but it doesn't take me too much pain to figure out that ain't working. It's like how many times do I have to smash my thumb with a, with a hammer before I say, I need to move my hand. <laughs> like, I just keep hitting. I don't know why it's painful. <laughs> hey, smarty, move your fingers. You won't experience that pain. And many times what happens is, is that we, for, and we're going to look, over, look into this over the next couple of weeks. There's reasons why we may not be able to hear the voice of God. Maybe we've not trained our ear to hear the voice of God. Or, I, and this is the one I really believe is that many times God is speaking and we're just not recognizing it. We just don't realize it. And, and you know, and there's a few other things and so, uh, that we're going to look at. But let's keep reading here in verse 6. It says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration did not understand what he meant. He says, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. He says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. He says, but the true sheep do not listen to them. So he's talking about the past. People that had come and said they were the Messiah. They were the Savior of the world. There were other people who came before Jesus. And he was basically saying, look, people didn't pay attention to them. He says, I am the gate. He says in verse 9. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. He says, those who uh, will come, or they will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. Now, that word there, good pastures, really stuck out to me. Because we don't understand, really, contextually, what he's saying here. And and we're going to look at another verse here in a few minutes, but let me just give you a little bit of cultural background into why that's important. In the nation of Israel, you know, we have pastures. We have pasture land. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You drive and there's just acres of land that's what? The grass is being grown for what? For to be able to feed animals with grain, right? So we have whole pasture. Well, Israel is not that way. It is a very rocky, dry, arid climate. In short, there are no pastures. What you have is little sprigs of grass that pop up between rocks on very hilly hillsides. And so every day the shepherd had to lead the sheep to a new place to find new grass. Because there was an abundance of grass all over. So they're constantly moving their sheep around day after day after day. And here, Jesus makes the statement. He says that they would come and go and they will find good pastures. Now, that word pastures there, um, as I was studying it and looking into it, it means uh, food for the soul. It's not talking about physical food here. What he's really talking about is something much deeper than that. And yet, if he leads us, then we have to follow. But if we're going to follow, that means we have to be able to hear and this is why this is so important. But yet here, it, when it talks about a pasture, it means that there's rest or refreshing. It's peace and it's safety. Yes. 
See, many times we don't grasp all of these things. And here Jesus says, look, I am going to lead, but you have to follow. A good sheep doesn't lead. A good sheep follows. I mean, in a biblical context, that's exactly what he's talking about. Is that Jesus, you are in charge, and so I'm following you. I'm not in charge of my life. Now, in verse 10, this is the very familiar passage of Scripture that many times we would quote. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you or to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Another translation would say it this way is that my purpose is to give you an abundant life. Well, in context of the scriptures, because many times we'll quote that verse, is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And we quote that. But do you realize that that whole verse is actually predicated on one thing? Hearing and obeying the voice of the shepherd. You can't separate it. You, You will never be able to live the life that God has for you apart from hearing him. It's, it's not going to happen. And so this isn't just random theory. I mean, this is very practical, like put it into action today, tomorrow, next week. I can't tell you how many times, and, and even in the recent times, that God has spoken to me very clearly. And when I say spoken, it's not like audibly, but I know it in my heart. It's just, it's, it's a, the best way I can tell you is it's an impression, it's a thought that comes very strongly, but I know it's not from me. And I know it's not from the devil either. You know, and it lines up with the word of God. So there are ways to figure out, and that's some of what we're going to look at in these next few weeks. But first and foremost, you have to understand is that there are two agendas for your life right now. Well, technically probably three. There's our agenda, our personal, this is what I want my life to be. These are my life goals. This is what I want to see. I mean, my life goal when I was 18 was I want to make some money. That was pretty much the extent of my life goal. I just want to make some money. I want to have some toys. I want to live a good life. Like those were kind of, you know, that was my life goal. And it's like, well, what's the best way that I can get the most of that money? And that was kind of my life. And yet there was another plan and another agenda at work, which it's the enemies. Which is to steal, kill, and destroy. Which, and it's not, sometimes we'll look at this and say, well, the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy me. Yes, and not quite. What he's after is God's plan in your life. That abundant life, that over the top life that God desires for us to live, that's what the enemy is after in our life. And so the enemy has an agenda, it's to your detriment. It is not for your benefit. It's to create chaos and confusion in your life. It's to rob you of the joy that God uh, wants you to have, the peace that God wants you to have in your heart. That's the enemy's plan. But God has a different plan for us. And here, Jesus calls it the abundant life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Another familiar passage of scripture, but he says, thus says the Lord. Oh, wait, go to number, verse 11. He says, the Lord's speaking, he says, For I know the plans, let me say it this way, For I know the agenda and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your peace and your well-being, not for disaster, to give you future, a future and a hope. So God has an agenda. God has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your life. And we have a plan for our life. Our plans aren't always bad, but our plans aren't always good either. And our plans might even be good, but God has something different in mind. Well, we have a decision to make. And it's so important that we learn how to hear the voice of God. I mean, I have God make, have had him make course corrections in my life time after time after time. And it's not because what I was doing was wrong. It just wasn't the way that God wanted me to do it. Now, there have been times where what I was doing was wrong and God corrected me and said, that is not what I have for you. That is not the life that I have for you. You need to stop that right now. Don't do it again. Don't even think about it. Run away from it. But there's other times that the Lord has has given me a correction where I'm like, Lord, I thought that was good. And really what happens, it's not that it's not good. It's that God has something better. God has something beyond what I can see and what I can perceive 
that he wants to do in my life. In other words, he wants to exceed my expectations. So I can either live a life really on three levels. Either I can let the devil have just free run in my life and just let him do whatever. I can simply pursue what I believe is best for my life. Or I can seek the one who created me, designed me, and specifically me and say, okay, why am I here? And what do you want to do in my life? I mean, I've had God speak into many areas of my life. I would say practically every area of my life. At crucial times and at times where it didn't really seem to matter. But I've also seen where it has directed my steps time after time after time after time. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says this. He says, a man's mind plans his way as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. Now think about this. If you were pulling into a, let's just say, a parking lot somewhere and there was a police officer and he was directing you to park somewhere specific. What's his directing doing? Is he just pointing randomly or is he pointing very specifically? He's specific. I want you to park here, not over there. I want you right here. Well, here it says that we plan our ways. In our minds, we plan our way as we go through life. But the Lord will come in and direct our steps. Now, God is involved, I believe, and wants to be involved in every decision of our life. Should I take this job? Should I not? Should I date or marry this person? Yes or no? Should I go to this college? Yes or no? Do I need to, you know, do I need to buy this property? Do I need to buy this house or is there a better house? God, what are you doing in my life? God, is this a relationship that I need to invest in or is this one that I need to begin to to move away from? God, how do I deal with this difficult person in my life? We need the wisdom of God. Well, how's it going to come unless we learn how to hear the voice of God? So even as we look at our life and really our plans and our agendas and, and the things for us moving forward, we can have our game plan. And there's nothing wrong with planning. I believe you ought to plan. You know, there's the old saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I think you ought to have a plan for your life. I think you should. But I also think that we should live in a way that is open to change. God, this is a, this is a, a rough draft. But I'm waiting for you to come and to sign off on it. I'm waiting for you to put your stamp of approval. And until I have your stamp of approval, none of this is permanent. None of this is absolute. Why? Because God, I'm not in charge of my life. And so many times we can just get so interrupted in our life that what happens is that we just start working our plan and then God has to interrupt our plan. I mean, you know, I've shared this story, but I'll just share it very quickly. Here a few months ago, me and Dare were going to sell our house and move into a new house that we had completely renovated. That was my plan. I was like, hey, it sounds good to me. It looked good on paper. Everything that was like, yeah, it's perfect. And I was in my study. It was actually on a Wednesday. So Wednesday afternoon, middle of the afternoon, we had already sold our house, had it in contract. It was a done deal. And I had this thought. And I know it was the Lord. You're going to regret this in a year. That was the thought. I'm in my office. just. And my first thought is, well, that can't be the Lord. That was my first thought because, I mean, like, look, I mean, we're already, like, we're beyond, like, just kind of thinking about this. We, like, we were closing on our house in just a couple of weeks. And we were going to be moving in less than a month. And I walked downstairs and I told Dara, I said, I think the Lord just told me that if we move, we're making a mistake. And it was just a little thought. But the longer it sat on my heart, the more I knew it was the Lord. Well, then I've got the natural side of me that says, well, I'm in a legal contract. How am I going to get out of this? Because these people have spent money. So, you know, the next day I'm texting my realtor and I'm like, hey, is there any way I can get out of this contract? And she said, nope. She said, the only way to do it is you're going to hire a lawyer, which is code for you're about to spend a lot of money. (laughs) But this was, and I, this was my, my, my mentality about it because I wanted my heart to be right towards the Lord. 
I said, Lord, if it cost me money, I would rather pay the money than to not listen to your wisdom and to listen to your voice. Because money is not as important as following you. And we're not talking like hundreds of dollars. We're talking thousands of dollars for me to get out of it. So I'm like, well, shoot. What am I going to do? So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You pray, yes. right? Yeah. And this was my prayer. I said, Lord, I need you to help me. Because yes. I, don't, I don't know how to get out of this. I was like, if it costs me money to get out of this, it'll cost me money. But I just need you to help me. Yeah. Within 24 hours, the people backed out of the contract. Hallelujah. It didn't cost me a dime. They gave no reason or explanation. Hallelujah. I asked the realtor, I said, did they say why? And she said, no. have no idea. And I said, did anybody know about our conversation? She said, I hadn't told anybody. Wow. Now, you can say, well, that's just chance. That just happens. You can say it's that if you want. I can't tell you how many times that God has done things like that in my life. And you're like, well, why does God care about the house you live in, the car you buy? Well, because I bought a clunker before. Like, it looked real good. <laughs> it looked really good. And I was like, man, this car's sweet. I fixed that car, and I fixed that car, and I fixed that car, and I fixed that car. And when I bought it, I knew I shouldn't have bought it. I knew it in my heart. There's something in me like, don't buy this. I'm like, but it looks so nice. It's shiny. It's fast. There was that something on the inside, that little, don't do this, and it cost me. I mean, it cost me financially lots of thousands of dollars. You know, it was crazy. But I knew in my heart. You talk about regret. Every time I took that thing to the mechanic shop, it was a reminder. You should have listened to the Lord. Every stinking time. And it went often. So, I mean, it was like, a, like you know, it was like my Ishmael or something. I don't know. It was, man, it was frustrating. And why it was frustrating was because I knew that I knew that I knew. But yet I said, nope, this is what I want to do. I'm going to stick with my plan. God was trying to direct me. And I didn't listen. Therefore, there was consequence. You know, and so there are times where the Lord will speak very specifically to you about your specific life, situation, circumstances. There have been times in my life where we face challenges and the Lord has given me specific instructions on how to overcome those. And it wasn't something that took a long time when I did it God's way. It was almost instant. Wasn't always just right there in that split second, but it was very quick. Circumstances would change. Circumstances would shift. There's been times in my life where I've been stuck going, God, what do you want me to do? And I I don't know about this next season. And and I always went back to what what was the last thing God told me to do? Did I do that? I've always been amazed that when I go and finish up with the last thing the Lord told me to do, how quickly a new door would open. And it's like, I thought I've been waiting on the Lord and he's been waiting on me. And so, you know, I believe that it's so important that we hear the voice of God. Not like in abstract terms. I mean like in very real terms where we understand it for our life, for us individually. Why? Because God doesn't deal with us as a mass of people. He deals with us as individual people. And so my call, your call, what God desires to do in my life may be different than yours. Now some of our things will line up, but not everything will. Some of us are called to different arenas, different places. God may take you out of one place into a completely new field. Something that you've never considered going, God, why in the world are you doing this to me? That happened with my dad. He moved out of, he was a truck driver, and the Lord moved him into sales. My dad had never sold anything in his life. The story is that for 18 months, he didn't sell anything. I want to talk about some times wondering, Lord, was this you? Are you sure about this? Because it sure doesn't seem like you're in this. And when you're primarily a commission-based salesperson with three kids at home and a wife, and you're thinking, God, you set me up to fail. But it was all by the leading of the Lord. It was a, a... And it has proved out now 36 years later. Oh, it was obviously the Lord. 
Well, yeah, it's easy to say that today. But there were many times, I've heard my dad talk about it, where he didn't have money to eat lunch. Because he was listening and obeying the voice of the Lord. Now, you're like, oh, well, the Lord wouldn't do that. But I can tell you today, he wouldn't trade it for anything. Why? Because God was in it. And so here's, a, here's two things that I believe. Um, I'm going to call them assumptions that hinder us from hearing God speak. Two assumptions that many times, that we're, whether we're taught, whether it's just something that we've bought into, something we've, you know, that we've just taken on. So number one is that I believe that many times that people make the assumption is that God doesn't speak to people anymore. Or it, it's this way. God doesn't speak to ordinary people. God speaks to select people like he did in the Old Testament. He talked to the prophet. He talked to the priest. But he didn't talk to normal people like me. That's not what God does. And so that's an assumption that many people make. Here's the problem with that assumption. If you believe he isn't speaking, you're probably not listening or expecting to hear anything. If God's not speaking, why am I going to listen? And there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a big difference. Let me give you an example of this. It would be like when I'm watching the game at home. I'm a man, so I'm zoned in. I got my blinders on. I mean, I'm locked in. Baby screaming, don't hear it. You know, I just, she, there's like, surely you hear this. Nope, background noise. I'm focused. Where my eyes are is where my ears are, right there. I'm focused. She'll be talking, saying something. Wah, 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 wah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just background noise. I hear her. And then she'll say, are you listening to me? Of course I am, baby. You got my full attention. What did I say? Lord, give me the gift of interpretation very quickly. And help me. Help me out right now. The problem was I was hearing. I was not listening. In other words, I wasn't paying attention. You know, my dad tells the story about when I was young, not much older than Max probably, is that he would be driving. Back then, my dad had a goatee, and I'd be, I'd be talking to him. And he wouldn't be listening because I didn't think you could listen if you weren't looking. So while he's driving, I'd grab his goatee and jerk it because <laughs> I didn't think he was listening to me. That really did happen. But many times, people don't believe that God would speak to them. Therefore, they don't even have the expectation to listen. They just think, well, if God needs to say something to me, he'll use somebody else. Oh, well, God always uses this person to speak into my life. So if God needs to speak to me, he'll go through them. No, he already went through Jesus. He doesn't have to go through anybody. That's not saying that God won't use other people in your life. Because he will. But I believe that's as a second resort. Because we're not listening. Many times for me, it plays out like this. If I don't listen to the Holy Spirit, the Lord will start talking through Dara. I'm like, dang, is she the Holy Spirit? She sure sounds like him. Or maybe it's a trusted friend or maybe even a parent or whoever it may be in your life. Well, if we're not careful, we can become dependent upon other people. And then we'll buy into the lie because the enemy will convince you. The Lord just isn't going to talk to you. He has nothing to say to you. You're not special enough for him to talk to. Well, you were special enough for Jesus to hang on the cross for so if you're that special, I think God will still talk to you. Yes. So let me read you a couple of verses uh, here fairly quickly. Here, you don't have to turn to these. They'll be up on the screen. But Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, um, The sovereign Lord has given me the words, or given me his words of wisdom, so that I may know how to comfort the weary. How can you comfort the weary with his words if you don't get them from him? Jesus said it this way, I don't say anything that I don't first hear my father say. So God has given me his words of wisdom so that I can comfort the weary. He says, morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Now, other translation says that he speaks to me about his will. Psalms 86 verse 7 says, I will call to you, being the Lord, whenever I am in trouble, and you will answer. 
I will call and you will answer. One of my personal pet peeves is when my wife is somewhere and she doesn't answer her cell phone. Because I'm like, girl, I pay for a phone. I call, you answer. That's the way this thing works. It's just a pet peeve. Because I always answer her phone call. At least I try to. 99% of the time. But when I call, God, you're going to answer. That's what the psalmist wrote. Isaiah 65 verse 24 says, and I love this. He says, I will answer them before they even call to me. I love this part. He says, while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayer. Before you've even formed the prayer to come out of your lips, God is like, I'm already working on the answer. Amen. Romans 8 verse 14 says this. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God... These are the children of God. How can you be led if you can't hear? Being led requires hearing. It's absolutely crucial. So how can we be led if we can't hear instructions? And what good is a guide if he never speaks? I mean, I, I've had, you know, the opportunity to go on some guided fishing trips, like out in the ocean. The ocean's big, like really big. And I've gone out far enough that I have no idea which way land is. And they're like, hey, throw your hooks. And I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't see land. I don't see a boat. I see nothing but water and sun. And you're telling me in the vastness of the ocean... That you know with 100% certainty that right here underneath us is the particular species of fish that we want to catch today. And you know what? We do what he says and guess what? We catch the fish that we're there to catch. I never think much about it. But how crazy would it be for me to hire a guide, go get on a boat... He's sitting in a chair and me go get behind the wheel of the boat and be like, all right, let's go. Because I ain't got a clue where I'm going. I'm going to get us good and lost and probably dead. And we ain't going to catch no fish. We're going to catch a sunburn. That's what we're going to (laughs) catch. Why? And if he never says anything, and even if I made it back to the dock, dude, what am I paying you for? You were supposed to tell me something. I'm paying you for knowledge and information. What good is a guide who doesn't talk? Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be our guide. He says that he would lead us. He would guide us into all truth, all wisdom. God has a plan. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us into that plan. He's going to lead us away from the plan of the enemy. Sometimes he'll lead us away from our own plans, our own agendas. He's going to move us towards what God has for us. So we need to put a priority on hearing the voice of God. Yes. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, headstrong person as far as like plans. When I get something in my mind, that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be. Like typically. I'm working on it. The Lord's helping me. <laughs> but typically, once I've kind of, all right, this is it. I don't move a lot. I'm locked in. This is, come hell or high water, this is the way we're going to do this. Well, just in the last few months, I've had the Lord challenge me on things that I've held to for 15 years. About things that I believe was the way the Lord wanted to bless me. And I won't go into all the detail just because I don't have the time. I mean, I wouldn't mind saying it, but this is what the Lord told me. Why don't you just trust me to do that? Because it's not for you to do anyways. Just let me do it for you. Well, that little statement really challenged because it was like, because what I didn't realize is that I had been working my plan. But it wasn't necessarily the Lord's plan. Not that it was a bad thing. It was actually a very good thing. But then it took me to have to make some steps away from my plan. Because it was like very clear on some things. 
Well, I can tell you this. The results of that has been tremendous peace. There's been a settling. Let me say it this way. I've been striving and the Lord is wanting me to settle. Calm down. Trust me. So I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm not doing. And I've had to learn time after time. Because this isn't something that you learn once and you just got it down. You're going to learn it in this moment. And then you're going to learn it again in another moment. And you're going to learn it again in another moment. You're gonna, you know, it's no different than my relationship with Dara. Telling her I loved her one time wasn't enough. And showing her that I loved her one time wasn't enough. It's repetition. So I have to show her I love her continually. Not that I have to, but I want to. Well, I have to learn to hear the voice of God and make it a priority in my life that I'm going to keep it in in the forefront. Here's another uh, assumption or misunderstanding. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just not completely right. But it's an assumption that many people will hold to. The first one is, is that God doesn't speak to people. Or maybe just not people like me. The second one is this, is that God only speaks through his word. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, if God's going to talk to you, he's going to come through the word. God does speak through his word. Absolutely. But again, there is the broad strokes of scripture, but then there are the fine points of your individual life that you may not find in scripture exactly. Now, there may be times that you find a scripture and it's exactly applied to your specific situation. I've had that happen, but not always. Now, let me give you a couple of verses here about this. Because I believe that God does speak through his word. I mean, I've even shared this many times with you. If you want to hear God, read God. God uses his word. The Holy Spirit will what? Bring back all things to your remembrance that what? That you have put in your mind. He will bring up scripture to you. That will bring life to you. Well, yes, that's true. But you've got to have scripture. And yes, it helps to hear from God knowing scripture. Yes. Putting it in. What you put in will come out. You will reap a harvest off of the seeds of the word of God that you sow. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak through his word. But he's not limited to just words on a page. I mean, sometimes we, we have these great ideas of who God is, but then we minimize him to such a small arena to work. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 in the Amplified, it says this. It says, For the word of God is living and active, and it's full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division between the soul and the spirit and the completeness of a person. And of both the joints and the marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging our very thoughts and intentions of our heart. See, here's the thing that it says. It says that the word of God is living. It's active. Many times what's standing between you and unlocking the blessing that God has for you is hearing one word. Now, it has to be a word that's acted upon. Just because I hear, that's not enough. That's like somebody hearing the gospel message. You still have to act. You still have to apply faith to what? To receive Christ as Savior. Just the fact that people hear the gospel doesn't mean they're saved. That's part of the problem in our nation today. Everybody's heard the gospel. Many people have heard the gospel. And they just say, well, I'm saved. I heard the gospel. Yeah, but did you respond to it? Because that responding really matters. Like it really, really, really matters. Well, the same is true is that you know, I won't teach on this, but it is faith with corresponding action. It's more than just, well, I believe that. Okay, well, you're going to prove that you believe it because you act upon it. You know, and so here it says that the word of God is living, it's active. In Romans ten seventeen, it says um, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now this word, um, word here where it says the word of God, it's actually the word rhema. R-H-E-M-A, rhema. It actually means the living word of God. Now the Bible is considered, now these are Greek terms, but it's the logos. It's the written word of God, and you could say it this way, and the spoken word of God. You're like, well, I thought God spoke scripture. Yeah. But he's not done speaking. 
He still speaks to us individually. And so God will speak through his written word, but he also speaks to us today. Many times, it's the rhema word of God that makes the logos word of God come alive. You ever been reading scripture and all of a sudden, a verse just kind of stands out to you? You're reading the Logos and the rhema comes upon it. That light, that, that revelation comes and all of a sudden the word of God begins to take hold. Why? It's because God has now breathed upon that scripture in your life and he begins to speak through it. Well, God is not confined. The rhema communication from God, if you want to say it that way, is not confined to just scripture. He will give you specific instructions about your specific situation and circumstances. He will give you a specific direction for your life. I mean, you may be trucking along, doing a job, and all of a sudden you get a desire to go back to school. You're like, I'm 45 years old. Why in the world would I do that? I hadn't been to school in 20-something years. You think you might want to pray about that and ask the Lord? I mean, I've seen it happen multiple times. I mean, I've moved my entire life multiple times based off of a word from God. Multiple times. People telling me, you're crazy. And I'm like, I think you're right. I think you're right. You might be this time. That's the natural side of me, but it's the truth. I mean, you got that thought in the back of your mind. I hope this is the Lord. Because if it's not, I'm in trouble. See, God spoke to people throughout Scripture. We see it throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. There was Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, Stephen, Ananias. I mean, you name it. He spoke to random, he spoke to people that were wealthy, people that were poor. I mean, you name it. He spoke to a gamut of people. Throughout Scripture, God was speaking to people. Now, how cruel would it be for God to show us all that and then not talk to us? That just wouldn't be very nice. God, why would you talk to all these people in Scripture, but now you won't talk to me? Why won't you help me? Why won't you give me the the wisdom that I need for my life? See, the answer is that he wouldn't. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person. If he'll speak to me, let me say it this way. If he'll speak to Jesus, he'll speak to you. Why? Because in God's eyes, Jesus, when he was on the earth, was a man. He wasn't a God. Now, we think of it that way, but the Bible says in Ephesians that he took all of his, um, all of his deity, all of his godly rights, and he placed them, set them aside. And he came here as a man in the form of a servant. So God didn't interact with Jesus based off of his godlikeness. The Father spoke to Jesus because he was a human being, as a man, and he spoke to him on that level. Well, if he'll speak to Jesus on that level, he'll speak to us on that level. And it doesn't have to be weird, and it doesn't make you strange or odd. Quite the opposite. Jesus wasn't weird. I mean, you can't show me a scripture where Jesus freaked people out. Now, he may have freaked them out because the miracles he did... But where I read is that, man, people were astonished by them. Where did he get this kind of power? Where did he get this kind of wisdom? Well, I only do and hear what I see and hear from my Father. So we need to hear God. Because there's a life that God has for us to live. But it's all dependent upon God leading us. God speaking to us. God giving us the wisdom that we need for our life. God, should I make this investment or should I not? Do I need to move forward with this? Do I not need to? Lord, how do I pray about this situation? I mean, let's be real, just day to day. How many times do we face things and you're like, I don't even know where to start praying. God, how do I pray? How do I even believe for you in this? It's just all, I don't know. You've got to believe that God actually will talk to you. I mean, what else would God have to do to prove to us his willingness to work on our behalf? Would he not also speak to us? There in Romans, it, uh, 
8.14, it says that those who are led by the Spirit of God. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. And if you know my voice, you won't follow the stranger's voice. It's important that we know the voice of our shepherd. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. He is. He's a good shepherd. And just as it says, he has a a place of pasture, a place of rest, a, a place of God's grace for you to be. i got a few minutes. I'm going to read this verse real quick. A couple verses. Psalms 23. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. See, Jesus came to put us back in right relationship with God. Why? So that we could have fellowship and actually communicate with God. That was why Jesus came. He changed the way God interacted with people. Here in Psalms 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. Again, the Lord's my shepherd. And because, in other words, because I'm following him, I've got everything I need. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. See, God doesn't bless us for us. He blesses us because it brings honor to his name. Verse 4, he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close Beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessing. He says, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's a very clear picture of a shepherd taking his flock into a very delightful place. But he even says, and I love because it's just the... Reality of life, right in the middle, like the middle. He says, even on my darkest days, you're right there with me. So it doesn't mean that just because I go to the pasture, the place that God has for me, that, hey, it's all, you know, lollipops and popsicles and everything's great and perfect and we never have struggle. It's not that. It says, even in the midst of my pain, you're there. You're there with me. You're there for me. You're never going to leave me or leave me or forsake me. You're always there with me. Now, as I wrap this up, I want to tell you something that happened last night. Because, I, the, you know, early this morning, it was about 4 o'clock, Max woke up. Now, this isn't normal, but obviously we have a little over one month old, and we slept like two hours on Friday night. So I thought, I'm going to sleep in the guest room with Max because i got to get up and try to communicate articulately. So I slept in the other room. About 4 o'clock this morning, I hear Max wake up. Now, to be quite honest, I was still awake. I slept a couple hours last night. I don't know why. I just couldn't go to sleep. It drive me crazy. And um, yeah, I'm in the other room without the baby where Darren and the baby are sleeping great. I'm in the other room, can't go to sleep. I'm just like. But about four o'clock this morning, I hear Max and he wakes up. Now the lights are all off. Now normally we have a little nightlight and leave some lights on. This Well, I'm in there, so it's going to be black. I want to sleep in a cave. I want it cold and I want it dark. Like that's the two things I want when it's time to sleep. But I hear his little voice in the, in the darkness of night, four o'clock, going, Mama? Because it's dark, so I know he's a little afraid because we're getting past being afraid of the dark kind of thing. And I didn't turn on the light, and I didn't jump out of bed. I just said, hey, buddy, come over here to Daddy. You know, he didn't go, is that really you? <laughs> Dad, I'm not certain, I can't see you. He just walked over to the bed and climbed up in the bed with me. You know, he didn't grab me by the face and look at me real intently or quite the opposite. He crawled up in there and he laid right up next to me. He went right to sleep. I mean, like I frustrated me because I'm like, man, I've been trying to go to sleep for a couple hours here. <laughs> I mean, he's out. I mean, just, you know, I mean, he's just all over the place. And as I'm laying there thinking about just my message this morning, some of the things that I'm sharing with you. The Lord just began to share some things with me about that moment. You know, here I am with my son, two and a half years old, and even in the, in, in the darkness where he's normally afraid, he was totally calm because he heard my voice. Because he knows my voice. He recognized my voice. And because he heard my voice, it brought peace 
even in the midst of something that normally is scary to him. So he crawls back up in, in bed there next to me and he's laying, he, he just goes out. I mean, just frustrating. But, but as he's laying there, I'm just thinking. You know, just about the moment and just kind of, sometimes when I can't sleep, I'll just kind of get quiet and just listen for the Lord. And he just began to share some things with me. And one of the things that I felt like the Lord put in my heart was that Max could just go back to sleep so quick and so easy because of this. Because he got peace and comfort from my strength. He knew he was safe. Even though the circumstances aren't normal, you know, there's certain things that he's accustomed to and used to and that's the normal. But because he knew Dad was there, well, how did he know I was there? He didn't see me. But he recognized my voice. And because he knew the voice, he also knew my character. He knew that I wouldn't harm him. He knew that I wouldn't hurt him. He knew that I'd take care of him. So he just crawled up in bed and just went back to sleep. See, it's amazing what can happen when we hear the voice of our Father God. Even in the midst of circumstances, situations. In times where we're lost and we may not know what's going on. The strength of our Father can bring great peace and comfort. With just a word. With just a moment of him speaking. It'll stir up something in us that just calms everything down. This is why it's so important for us to hear the voice of God. Even if it's something as simple as, you're going to be okay. When God speaks to you, it resonates way beyond mental. I mean, it goes to the core of who we are. And there's just this calm. It's like when Jesus stood up on the back of the boat in the middle of a hurricane and said, peace be still. He spoke a word. God is still the God who speaks to storms. God is still the God who speaks hope into your life, who speaks destiny into life, who speaks purpose into your life. He's the one who speaks provision into your life. And I can't, you know, there's been times that the Lord has saved me from you know, especially in the area of finances. But there's also been times he's told me to take risks that everything in me said, no way. I ain't doing it. Like, that's crazy. I've shared the story many times. We bought our first house and I was losing sleep over because I was like, there's no way. There's no way. That's all I could think. This is the biggest mistake of my life. We bought it. It was a blessing. It was never a burden. The Bible says is that the blessings of the Lord come and he adds no sorrow with it. But it took a big step of faith. But without the Holy Spirit correcting me and saying, you quit worrying about this. And I had a very clear just, but instantly peace came and I was like, all right, God, this is on you. Don't get so stuck to your plan that you quit listening for the voice of God. He will speak. He will direct. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. You can plan all day long. But keep a watchful ear for the course correction of the Lord. Because he may say, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. But I I just want to tweak it a little bit. I I, I have a better way for this to come into your life. And if we'll learn to listen and obey and to act in faith based off of that, you're going to see the hand of God work in your life. But you got to first hear from him. Amen.